Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh, we've got a really great topic today. One of my uh, things, I guess I would call it, I'm really big on forgiveness. And my other thing is allowing your children to have a relationship with the grandparents, regardless of whether or not like you really get along that well. As long as they're great to the kids, make sure that they get to have that relationship. And Therapist Lisa, the topic is uh, eight best things about being close to a grandparent. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So therapist Lisa Dunning here, and also we have some grandparents. Walt Wilson with Private Pension by Design, my buddy. He is back. Hi, Walt. Hi. Good to have you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to have a male voice. (laughs) Robbie Yopes and Beatrice Bruno, authors and speakers joining us. And uh, you're both grandparents. Yes, ma'am. That's exciting. I am. You are. You are, and you're happy to talk about it. So we're going to talk about, you know, and I know Michelle Ron is a big fan of that learning from the older generation because Mm -hmm. she had it's like Mr. Finkelstein that lived next door and he'd sit on the step and wait for her to come home because her mom was at work and Mr. Finkelstein would always go over like you know what was the best part of the day and what did you learn and this day and age we'd be like stay away from Mr. Finkelstein he's weird I mean like (laughs) yeah I know know, right a lot more suspicion yeah like now when we were young and the door rang we're like company and now when the door rings you're like hi don't answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah so weird isn't it so um, I thought I'd start off with just a couple of good um, grandparent memories, and then I want to get into a good news story about a woman in her 80s who, uh, uh, when her purse was taken, she, uh, she set off on foot, and, uh, you know, she took, she took a chase. Good for her, right? Well, it reminds me of my great aunt. She was down in Pueblo. And she was in her mid-80s when a guy tried to take her purse. And she grabbed like a bottle of Clorox and cracked him over the head. Well, Beatrice, right. you would do that, yes, wouldn't ma'am, you? Yes, ma'am, I would. Yeah, I'd throw yeah. him down in the ground. Or Grandpa Eddie, my father-in-law, we even have the video. He was until recently, um, after he retired as a union president, he's like, well, I'm bored. I'm going to become a bailiff. And so some like teen suspect tried to take off, like an 18, 19-year-old kid. Grandpa Eddie dove on him and held him down. That's and the I'm video was about. so funny because all of the attorneys in their suits, who are much younger, mm-hmm. all stood in a circle and watched <laughs> yeah yeah well he well go grandpa eddie who's 73 now go grandpa eddie, eddie. On him. i am all for grandpa eddie's and the other oh, yeah. grandparents to do this however somebody in this room has to say don't do that and call the police and <laughs> right. run inside and hide but that's no fun well, right. that's am no i fun. right somebody needs to say i that. would be running and hiding right. but... grandpa eddie says he'll never do it again he said because it, it what was hurt the most bruised the most was his ego mm-hmm. when in the paper they reported it was an assault of a senior citizen uh, assault of an ed- elderly person he's like really they had to put that oh, in the Lord. paper no. like that's what he got charged with assault of an elderly person Man. grandpa's like i'm not doing that again it was embarrassing <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh. <laughs> all right so beatrice so in terms of, you know, the relationship you have with your grandparents, do you have, you know, fond memories or something that they taught you that really sticks out to you? Well, my grandpa. 
he died when I was 13, but before that time, um, when I was nine, he taught me how to drive the car, and I would go places with him that nobody else went, you know. And um, I remember this one instance, and I was five years old, and I'll never forget this. We had wood stoves in our home, and um, I fell on the wood stove, burned my neck. Ooh. But the thing I remember the most is he reached over and grabbed me real quick and put me in his arms, and I couldn't feel the pain. I just oh. felt his arm around me oh. and I just Lovely. I'll just always remember that yeah he loved me oh. you know and so I will always remember that when he died like our when Heavenly I was, Father he rescues come on, us girl. from pain all the time come on preach that <laughs> oh, see that's what I'm talking about <laughs> hallelujah yeah. yes he does Real and that's tight, what daddy like a bear did. hug yeah that's right you know and so when when he passed when I was 13 you know I missed that hug I yeah. remember standing, looking in his casket. I'm not trying to be morbid, but I remember looking in the casket and thinking to myself, I'll never feel those whiskers again. Aww. Because Aww. that meant a lot to me. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. and so, yeah, that was. Well, I'm telling you, my great. kids have really great grandparents, and I, I don't really have memories of grandparents being around. My, my grandma, she was kind of mean, like on her deathbed. She said, I didn't write you back when you sent those cards. It was nice of you. I should have written back, but you really have horrible penmanship. And so oh, I just, Lord. On her so deathbed? Like, so I said, I'm I'm really on her deathbed she's wow. talking about my penmanship i'm like couldn't she be nice at the end you think you know oh. and so but with that said i am creating great memories for my kids there because you. they do have great grandparents mm -hmm. and even a couple of surrogates like charlene who's probably listening our cleaning slash uh, lady slash nanny who's been in their lives since the, basically they were babies Aww. so therapist lisa um, as we go around we'll share some more memories give us you know one of the um eight uh best things about being close to a grandparent that older generation because they have more time to love mm. now Definitely. And, and I think we lose sight of, you know, our grandparents have things to offer us, right? And teach us like Beatrice, you know, like you were saying. So it's more about, you know, maybe our grandmother can teach us how to cook. Or um, I, I wish I had this now where you talk to them about when they were younger and what did they do and it's just really nice to hear about it rather than reading about it in a history book or so you know so forth so I think it's really about forming that connection and not getting upset with them when they repeat the same stories over and over again that you might have heard or maybe they're not as fast as right. they once were but really enjoy sitting down next to them and sharing in their life of what they have to offer because as we all know our grandparents aren't forever so no. it's, you know i know you want to try to like like take it all in, soak it all in as much as you can. You know, I, I really try to get my kids to the grandparents as much as I can. All right, well, what do you think about this topic? Because you just took care of your grandkids for quite <laughs> some time while their parents were out of the country, right? Yeah, we got to take care of uh, three of them for 40 days. Wow. wow. <laughs> so we're exhausted. I learned that. <laughs> I don't have the energy I used to have. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely true. But uh, watching my wife uh, is an amazing woman uh, mm -hmm. who just nurtured those kids in spite of them being absent from their mother, she tried to fill that role. I mean, you never can, mm -hmm. but she was just there for them all the time, would read with them, play games with them. Unlike me, where I'd be selfish and go do my own thing, she was there for them all the time. Wow. And uh, it was just a great example of, of her giving heart uh, for her grandkids. Another thing I learned, uh, do not come between uh, a grandchild and a grandmother. In other words, she took, <laughs> really? a, she took him to a park one day and she was watching him and there was a guy, uh, an older guy, and she made an assumption, whether the assumption was right or wrong, 
the guy was kind of just cruising around on a little kid's bike, mm -hmm. an older person. Yeah. Scouting the park. There was a lot of people there, but mm -hmm. she said, you get close to my, my grandkids and you come, you're coming between me. So right. mm -hmm. the protective instincts is, I think, stronger for grandchildren than it was for our own wow. children. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. see that with my mother-in-law for sure. Yeah. She's really, really close to the kids. <laughs> All right. Th therapist Lisa, give us another one of the uh, eight best things about being close to a grandparent. Okay, so the other thing is different from mom. She wants to make all of your dreams come true, right? Or they do. So they'll give you anything. They'll be so supportive. They're your great cheerleaders, you know? You, you can't you make them me? mad. My mother-in-law, like on Skype, Riley will be like, do you see my new running shoes I got? <gasps> oh, my goodness. Those are beautiful. Are those those Nikki's? No, oh, Nike. No. Is it the Adidas? No, they're Adidas, Grandma. The, oh, they. <laughs> Those are beautiful. <laughs> and then Faith might get like a star sticker for like good behavior. <gasps> You are finally getting recognized. I knew that since you were born. You were special. Right. I mean, right. she's so over-the-top excited. And they're just like, they expect that. Like, right. of course I'm this great. Of course I'm this fabulous. You know, Grandma D knows. She knows how mm. great I am. And just the little, I think, I remember Oprah saying once, the love is in the details. Mm. And Grandma mm. D will not just send, like, a box for, let's say, Easter or Halloween or Christmas. It'll be a box with, like, individualized notepads with their names oh, on it. Lord. A picture <laughs> frame from their last trip out that they can put on their wall. Wow. A picture with grandpa and a fish they caught. And it's, like, all these little things that, like, for maybe a month she's been shopping for them, yeah. having embroidered, like, a doll with their name on it. I mean, it's, like, the details. Their favorite Cheetos will be in there. Oh. She sends me, like, a, a five-pound bag of pistachios because she knows I love them. <laughs> Riley gets beef jerky. Like, isn't that oh, no. funny? Like, yeah. she knows the special right. things. And she knows I hide the pistachios in my closet, you know, so the kids <laughs> won't eat them all. And they laugh thinking of me hiding in my walk-in closet with a bag of pistachios <laughs> so the kids won't eat them all because they get many more treats than I do. So I love that. I love that the love is in the details. All right, so Robbie Yopes, um, let's talk. You're from the South. I just know that you have great-grandparent memories. I know that, like, family <laughs> love, four kids. It was all about cooking, Southern cooking, hugs, it going to incredible. church together. You are you are so right. Well, my favorite grandparent was Granny. Oh, I love Granny. And Granny lived in Cisco, Texas, and we lived in Van Horn, Texas. So we went and spent individually um, a week with her, all four of us. Oh, no way. So on my weeks, I think I started when I was nine, and she died when I was 13. And my week, it was absolutely wonderful because she'd play all the games I wanted to play. Wow. And I really wanted to learn Canasta. And she taught me canasta, and I remember getting mad, and I threw all the cards off the table. And I remember she was like, she's shorter than you, if that's possible, Angie. Right, no, like Lisa, you mean. There was Lisa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure, yeah, tiny, tiny. Everybody <laughs> called her Cricket. Um, but us, we called her Granny. Well, she got up and looked at me, and she said, well, you're going to have a nice mess to clean up, and walked away. <laughs> so she taught me, and then when I was 12, she said, come with me, and we got into her car, and we went into the back roads, and she got out, and I said, what are you doing? She said, I want you to drive. All right. Wow. So I learned how to drive. How old were you? 12. Yeah. I love that, wow. Granny. I learned how to drive when I was 12. And last thing is, I was uh, when she died, I had always asked, can I have the marbles inside this lantern? 
um, like a kerosene lantern. She had marbles in the bottom. Mm -hmm. I said, can I have the marbles? And she would say, no, I don't think so. Well, after she died, guess what I got? Aww. So I still have that Remembered. kerosene lamp and the marbles. Aww. All your marbles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's well, where I found them. That's where you're at. I have that's to awesome. tell you, and again, we're just talking about the importance of the older generation. Even if you don't have grand grandparents for your kids, like find surrogate grandparents, reach out to someone. We just recently talked about a surrogate grandparent Facebook page. Yes. I think I'm a member of it now because mm -hmm. I just wanted to follow oh, them. Really? Okay. Yeah, and they match up people that might be in your neighborhood or your area that need grandparents. Mm -hmm. and oh, that's gran neat. The it grandma is. who started it, is she's, she did it because she's being cut off from her grandkids. Mm -hmm. And we don't know the circumstances, but uh, we certainly don't do it just because you don't get along. Because, you know, initially my mother-in-law and I didn't get along, and now we get along just fine. But she always spoiled the grandkids like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually loved my husband. So my mother-in-law, her mother, Nan, Oh my gosh, she was like what you always wanted in a grandma. And so growing up, my husband too would go over to her house every weekend when they would go out. They'd spend Saturday night with grandma, Nan, and she would make sick soup where she would take um, carrots, you know, and she'd peel them up real tiny and tell them it was cheese because they wouldn't eat, you know, the carrots. <laughs> she said it was cheese. And then my husband, who ended up being 6'6", six, six, he used to still do this thing to her even when we were like married where he would run and then he'd pretend to hit his, he'd slap like the, the stop sign yeah. and pretend he hit his head. He'd go, oh! <laughs> oh, oh, she'd be like, oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm like, I, mean, I said, man, he does it every time to you. Don't you know he's just messing with you? And they had little jokes. Like she'd be frying up those Pizzelle cookies. Um, she was Italian and Polish. She'd mm -hmm. fry up those little Pizzelle cookies, and then he'd drop things in the oil. And she'd come back and be like, oh, goodness gracious, how did that get in the oil? <laughs> every time I turn there, I'm like, you're 30, Mark, really? Like, when he was like, you know, when we first got married, I'm like, really? You're messing? And he just, oh, they had little jokes Aww. together. And she would send us $5 in a card because then I became a grandkid. $5 in a card every holiday, Veterans Day, mm -hmm. Easter, Labor Day, mm -hmm. little card signed by her and with a $5 bill Aww. in there. Or sometimes a $5 check. And then she'd send her bingo money to my husband, which actually ended up being quite a bit over yeah, time. You can make yeah. a living. She would send her <laughs> bingo money. And I'd be like, what, what is this? He goes, oh, she sends her bingo money to me. Oh, my How goodness. How cute is that? And then when they were little, she also, and I mean, he loved mm. her. And so his mom's just like this, by the way, to my kids. She had the closet present. And I'm like, what was the closet present? How exciting. So at Christmas, there'd be little presents, but Nan had the closet mm. present. Mm -hmm. And so when you open the closet, there it'd be. And it might be like a bike or like wow. these days, maybe it'd be a computer or a desk or like we got, we got, I liked, uh, we still use it, a whole set of Samsonite luggage. That was our closet present. Wow. And so um, I, there's still a family feud because Colleen, the only girl, she got a dresser for her closet present. But oh, was she ticked? off. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because she got a dresser and the boys got bikes. Really? A, a dresser for Seriously? my closet present? Wow. Yeah, the closet present is supposed to be special. <laughs> you know? Not like underwear. Yeah. 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 Really socks. That's what I got for my grandmother. Exactly. There was only one present under our tree. My parents were getting a divorce and I got socks. And I was so excited because it was under the like, It's from grandma. It's going to be good, right? Socks. I'm like, really, grandma? Socks. But you remembered those socks. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I was bitter. I was 12. <laughs> At 12, you want more than socks for That's Christmas. True. That was so lame. <laughs> All right. So um, the best things about being close to a grandparent. Uh, give us a couple more therapists. Lisa. The and other then, one. Then I want to go around and talk about, because three of you are grandparents, the lessons you want to teach your grandkids. That's a good one. But you just talked about it like the food. They're good cooks typically, mm. right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. My mom is. Mm -hmm. And she teaches Faith how to cook. Faith See, loves great. sitting on the counter with her. Yeah, she loves learning how and to I cook. And I think that's what 
what we remember too. Our senses are so heightened, you oh, yes. know, so we remember smells and sure. tastes and stuff, especially when they are no longer here. Also, um, they're really good when we're sick, right? They yeah, know how to soup. soup or what fixes a headache mm -hmm. or maybe it's just a hug. So Or just sitting with you while yeah. you're sick. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My mother-in-law is great with that with my son, just like mm -hmm. sitting with him. And she also like, you know, the, the wet towel and can I rub your feet? I'm like, oh, I got three jobs. I don't have time for this. You know what I mean? Like they have time to really love, you know? Yeah. All right, Walt. So you just took care of three grandkids with your wife for 40 days. What are some of the things that you're hoping you will teach them or leave to them? Because my dad always says uh, we don't get tattoos in our family and we don't ride motorcycles. Like he's very... Very like, uh, and both of the grandparents have told the kids that, which I think is kind of interesting. It's funny. How about you, Walt? Well, I think the biggest thing I like to teach all of them, and I have two uh, grandsons. I had actually four grandsons and two uh, granddaughters, so they're a whole different dynamics when they talk oh, boys yeah. and girls. Oh, yeah. So with the, the boys, I try to help them understand responsibility a little bit. I mean, you can't teach a four-year-old responsibility but you can you can show examples of things in your own life uh, that you're responsible for, like picking up your clothes or taking the trash out or getting next to your wife and doing the dishes with her or That's doing nice. those things, helping them clean the table, mm -hmm. not just say, OK, you clean the table, you you get alongside them and help them clean the table. Um, even nice. the young one, uh, uh, you can't carry a plate without tilting it, of course. So you have to kind of say, well, you know. Go ahead. I clean the mess up. Or like your grandmother said, you know, it's yours, go for it. You know, you made the mess, clean it up. So it's those little things I like to try to teach them the responsibility and courtesy, respect. Respect, I think, is last, is leaving quickly in our society as far as young people. Responsibility, courtesy, respect. I like that. With our kids with sports, you know, when they. Well, I'm tired. I really feel like going. No, you're part of a team. You're going to let your team down. You're going. In fact, we can't go. I want to go to YMCA, the Rockies. I'm like, could we miss one game? I said, my husband goes, no, we teach the kids. Mm. They're part of a team. You can't miss a game. So there that's you have that's it. That's teaching responsibility. Yeah. They're and responsible we, yeah. for a commitment to something. It's a commitment. Absolutely. Right. Commitment is something that we're sore lacking as adults a lot of times even. Uh, they're not committed to a, to a cause, to a belief. They, they go with the flow. They're moved and swayed. And uh, it's hard. Uh, to, I understand uh, people have difficulties in life, but be committed to to a purpose. And honor life. that commitment. All right, Robbie, what do you want to teach your grandkids? What are some things that are important to you as a Christian uh, grandma? I have uh, two stepdaughters, so I have, and I, they both have two little girls. So I have four, three, two, one, stair oh, step, wow. little girls. And um, their parents are, are all very young, and they're very busy, yes. and they're trying to make their way in life. Right. So when I get around the girls, I want to make sure that I totally focus on them. them. And they notice because all the adults are talking and stuff and you know, things are going on or TV and I just, I, I Laser contact focus. and I make sure they know oh, I'm I'll here bet you're for a you. Fun grandma. Did, they, did they gravitate towards you because of that? They, well, they love me. They, oh. Well, who doesn't? But they really love <laughs> yeah. me. The last time, because you know, it's, um, they moved to, two of them moved to Colorado Springs. One of them, two of them are in Co uh, California. But the one in Colorado Springs, we've been seeing a lot of them. And um, the last time we were with them, I mean, I made sure Natalie, the, the three-year-old, I'm, I'm here for you. And sure enough, at the very end, she comes up to me and she says, Grandma, 
Can I go home with you? Aww. I mean, I, you, I, you might as well give you me would. a million dollars. Yeah. And you would have taken her if, she, if his, her mom would have looked the other way. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. There would have been an Amber Alert woman in gray van. That, that could be a new crime. Grandma capping. <laughs> Grandma capping. Kidnapping. Grandma kidnapping. It really is kidnapping. All right. Uh, real quickly, Beatrice, what are a couple of things you want to you know, make sure you instill in your grandkids? You know, there's one main thing that I want to instill in my grandkids kids and that's that is to love yourself oh i like that. love yourself because life is going to be hard people yeah. are not going to love you the way that your parents are or your grandparents so love yourself first yeah, I like and that. then start thinking about other relationships and all that stuff yeah that's yeah. beautiful yeah. love it all right therapist lisa give us your website lifesupportinstitute.com she loves to work with teens walt wilson privatepensionbydesign.com uh, he's got a, if you want to retire um, meet with Walt he's a great guy uh, you know or sorry save for retirement yeah. alright uh, <laughs> I'd like to retire right now yeah. uh, Robbie RobbieYopes.com DrillSergeantOfLife.com excellent thank you guys so much we'll be right back Good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com this is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. Here's some good news. Bring the whole family to the 14th annual Harvest Farm Fall Festival and Corn Maze for a true farm experience. My kids love this thing. A 10-acre corn maze, corn cannons. Hello, corn cannons. How fun is that? Yard games, natural play areas, a petting zoo, pig races. Oh, yeah. A hay wagon. <laughs> with hay wagon rides and much, much more. Sounds like a blast, doesn't it? Open weekends, October 1st through the 30th. Also open on Fridays as well, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Again, October 1st through the 30th. So come on out and check us out. Kids are $13, but children under three are free. And then adults, $15. And this goes to a great cause, the Denver Rescue Mission's Long-Term Rehab and Transitional Living Program. They are helping put this together. And so this benefits the Denver Rescue Mission. Hey, fun and a good cause. You can't beat that. Go to DenverRescueMission.org for more info. Hey, it's Angie with the good news. You've heard me say time and time again, the YMCA of the Rockies is my absolute favorite place in the world to take my family. And we have Lisa Newjar here with the YMCA of the Rockies. And Lisa, you have some fall specials? We do. We have a bunch of events coming up. We have a couple of fall fest weekends at both centers where you can come up and just take part in special fall themed events. Excellent. Your website? YMCARockies.org ymcarockies.org. Check it out. You won't regret it. Welcome back to the good news. Well, finances, as we all know, it's very important and can be very important in marriage. And as Christians, there is a lot of importance placed on giving, of course, because that's what the Bible would like us to do. All right, author and Christian financial planner Steve Repack is here to uh, offer us some advice in this arena. Hello, Steve. Hey, Angie. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Well, anytime this comes up, I'm telling you one thing. My husband's always, always like, they want our money. And I'm like, but I, it's part of being a Christian. I don't know that it's like some horrible thing. And someone in my extended family said something to the effect of, yeah, they're kind of weird. They do that whole 10% of a church thing. And I didn't know what to say because I felt so uncomfortable. Like, yeah, that's what a lot of us feel we should do. You, I mean, you're right. It's like, and it's like you go to church, and uh, you know, there's just a lot of people that just get turned off every time their pastor, you know, talks about giving and tithing, and uh, 
And like I said, it just, it's just one of those uh, things that just we've just a lot of people feel pressured and guilt and uncomfortable and bitter and, and, and all the above. Uh, and when it comes down to it, you know, I just believe that giving is a very personable thing and it's not one of those one size fits all. And, you know, doing what I do for a living and, you know, talking about finances and stuff, I'm always asked, you know, should I give if I have credit card debt or, you know, should I give if I don't have any money in savings? Should I give 10 percent net or gross? You know, if I can't give 10 percent, is it OK to give less? And I. Honestly, you know, my answer is yes to all these questions, but in my heart, you know, I believe it's not the amount that you give, but it's how you give that's most important. And, you know, things when we're given, we need to think of stuff like, you know, giving anonymously, cheerfully, sacrificially, willingly, because at the end of the day, God just doesn't need our money, you know? You know, I, you recently wrote an article about this whole topic about God not needing our money. So what do you want us to know and learn from this? You know, a, f- a few things is that, you know, when we give, basically we, all we're doing is acknowledging that everything comes from God, it belongs to God, is distributed by God, and that He, not money, is the true provider for all of our needs. And, and a lot of times, a lot of us, uh, a lot of people just think that their money provides their needs, and at the end of the day, it's not. You know, money is just a tool, but we just have to acknowledge that everything comes from God. Uh, you know, another point that I bring out is that if you're financially rich but spiritually broke, all the money in the world won't provide you a true peace or a joyful life because you're always worried about, you know, about money. And and that's it's true. It's like one of the you know largest wealth builders that I deal with has over 14 million dollars, and you think that oh he this guy would never worry about money. And the truth is, is he worries about it more than just you know regular people that I work with because he's always worried about losing it. So you know you know you you don't you can turn on the television or radio or newspaper and you you can just, you know, realize all these people that are making all this money, you know, they end up, you know, in drug rehab or alcoholic dick addiction. And, and, and like I says, money just does not is not going to provide you uh, true, true happiness. Uh, another thing that I think of is that, you know, it's better to give a little something when you have nothing to give a little something when you have everything. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of times that people with a lot of fun, you know, they've been blessed financially, you know, they're saying, okay, I'm giving my 10% so I can make my little check off, you know, that, Hey, I did what I was supposed to do, but you're really not challenge yourself and God, you know, like I said, God doesn't need our money. And we're just, you know, whatever we're giving, you know, we're just saying, Hey God, I trust you that you can provide all, you know, all of my needs. And so some Somebody that's struggling financially, you know, if they just give 1%, you know, God looks more favorably on that than somebody that has a lot of money and they're just giving their 10%. You know, you mentioned not to be so concerned with how much you uh, give. Uh, more concerned with how much you are keeping from God. Explain that. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's like it says, it's that you know, don't be concerned with how much you're giving back, but be concerned with how much you're keeping. I know my pastor said something about it's, it's, we were talking about a giving with one of our, uh, our series. And it was like, it's like how much, you know, how much, you know, don't be worried about how much you're giving to God, but gosh, you know, I'd be more worried about how much am I giving back? Cause, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, if we if we don't have our money priorities in check, you know, if we're saying, OK, I'm, I'm not going to give to God generously or cheerfully or sacrificially, you know, God is not going to honor it. And number one, like says, God just doesn't need our money, but just understands that if we can give, we're just we're putting our money priorities in place. And that's what the, I think that's what our, our biggest issue is with a lot of people that are struggling with their finances is that. You know, a lot of times we spend money because it makes us feel good in the short term, but it just, and we're always wasting it. Just like when I was in the army, I left the 
army with $32,000 of the credit card debt. And what was so crazy about that, it was that everything was paid in the military, my food, my yeah. clothes, my housing, but I always lived paycheck to paycheck. And I come from very humble beginnings and I, I never really saw money until I joined the military, but I always bought stuff because I just, you know, think that it would make me feel good, you know, because I've never had stuff, you know, I had to go without stuff growing up. So I just b wasted stuff and bought stuff and bought stuff. And, you know, I just, you know, I just continue to do that. And I ended up with a lot of credit card debt. And, you know, once I kind of figured out that, hey, the stuff that I buy might make me feel good in the short term, but that good feeling goes away. You know, I, I started having to, you know, have a more biblical approach to my finances. And when I did that, you know, my finances kind of got back on check. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you just mentioned finances and we know that, you know, people having difficulties with them, including yourself when you uh, got out of the military with all that debt. Um, in your book, Six Week Money Challenge for Your Personal Finances, what are some of the things you teach us to be more responsible and uh, so we can give to the church? So we're in a position where we feel comfortable with that. You know, every, I think everything boils down to your foundation. I mean, just basically, how do you, you know, how do you look at life? How do you view life? How do you view God. And so we want to start off, you know, you know, getting, making sure our priorities are in the right place. Um, and I, th I think of it like this is that, um, you know, how do we show, you know, how do we show God that we love God? You know, how, you know, how do we show it? And I, I kind of give the analogy of how do we show other people that we love them and you, know, you spend your money and your time on them. And so if you say, Hey, Steve, you know, God is the most important, you know, important thing in my life. You know, how much, you know, how much time are you spending with God? You know, what, what are you doing with your financial resources that honors God? So we kind of want to break that down that, Hey, you know, we need to get that stuff right first. And then if we can, you know, if we get our foundation right, then we we can move on to the, you know, the finance part, which at the end of the day, you know, we say, Steve, you know, what, what is the most important thing? It just comes down to accountability and sacrifice. And that's what we do every day with the decisions that we make is that, you know, if it comes down to finances, most people know exactly what they make, but they have no idea how much they're spending. Interesting. And, and so that's where it comes down to the accountability and responsibility. So, hey, you know, what I need to start doing is I need to track, you know, every time I spend money, you know, I pull out my, you know, I pull out my app on my phone or I pull out a little sheet of paper and every time I spend money, I want to write it down. Because a lot of times we just, we just have no idea what we're spending our money on and it mm -hmm. just, you know, we, we just come lazy. So in the book, you talk about the foundation that you just mentioned, the biblical foundation um, of a fi solid financial future. And then spending, which you mentioned, you did it to make yourself feel better. And then we moved, uh, uh, move on to um, week three of your six-week money challenge. And that has to do with debt and credit, where I think a lot of people really get mired down. And that's where they start to get depressed and feel overwhelmed because they don't know how to get out. Yeah. And like I said, that's just something that affects, you know, the average, you know, the person, the people that had the, the average household that does have credit card debt, they have over $15,000 of, of just credit card debt. And that, that, like I said, that just, when we have debt, number one, we're not going to be able to be the best spouse possible because we're always worried about it. We're not going to be able to be the best parent. We're not going to be able to perform, you know, do the best at our jobs. And most of all, you know, we're not going to be able to, to, to honor God, because like I said, if we're worried about how much debt that we have, it just really, it just really affects us in many different aspects of our lives. So we just have to learn, you know, how do I get my 
debt in, in, in check. And, you know, he says, you know, first thing we have to get our God priorities that, hey, everything belongs to God and I need to be a good steward of my financial resources. And then, you know, we have to start tracking our expenditure. And a lot of times, you know, we read these finance books and stuff and they, you know, they just give all this great information, but there's nothing practical about it. And that's what's different with this book is that we actually do practical challenges where we, you know, we write down our debt and then we come up with the different areas of spending. And then we, we identify, you know, what can we do to cut out? Because everybody, when we say, oh gosh, I have to sacrifice you know, I can never do that. And I think that's what kills people like with, with diets. You know, somebody says, hey, you know, I want to lose some weight and I'm never going to have dessert ever again. And that's not realistic. And it's the same thing with our finances is that, you know, if you're thinking that, oh, I'm never going to go out to eat again or I'm never going to waste money. That is not something that's long term or, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. So if you could look at the little minor changes like, hey, you, you might be going out. Uh, you know, you, let's say from Monday through Friday, instead of packing your lunch, you go out every single day. Well, I'm not saying that you can't go out to eat for lunch, but instead of it, you, maybe you, you want to pack your lunch every other day. Or if you do like going out to restaurants, don't go on Saturday and Sunday, just pick one night. Or, you know, when you're ordering a menu, you may maybe drink water instead of drinking a soft drink or, you know, and just, just minor little changes here and there. And if you could just cut out $2 here, $3 here, you know, at the end of the month, you have, you know, a hundred or $200 extra that you just didn't have the prior month. And, you know, it's a lot simpler, I think, than people think it is because a lot of the things you just mentioned, I just do as like practice. So I've always been a good saver because I grew up poor and I didn't want to be poor again. And I understand people kind of go either way. You mentioned you spent a lot after being, you know, um, financially more strapped, you know, as a kid. And uh, for me, growing up that way made me never want to be poor again because it was I felt so limited by it and so cramped by it. And so... Um, also labeled by it, you know, not having any control over your finances as a kid and have people know that you live in low-income housing and judge you because of that. I knew that I had to get an education and get money in order to feel um, more secure. And then, you know, with my faith, I, I then became more secure through Christ. So now I don't feel I really need things at all. Like my car is probably, I don't know, 14 years old or something. Like stuff doesn't really matter to me. So it's easy to be frugal. But I think for a lot of people, they feel that society, it, they get into debt because they feel society values them depending on their car, their home, their clothes, their watch, their jewelry, which I couldn't care less about that stuff. But I know that a lot of people get wrapped up in that. So in your book, if you're just joining us, Steve Repack is talking about the six-week money challenge, his book, uh, for your personal finances. And we're also talking about Christians and giving. Week one, you talked about the biblical foundations of a solid financial future. Number two, a week two, spending. Uh, week three, debt and credit. And then week four, you get into savings and investments. And I think it's personally fun. And we've already gotten our kids' bank accounts. They're six, eight, and 10. And my son's obsessed with it. I mean, he just donated some money to his school. It was like $150, $60. Uh, he was in an online auction to go on this special golf outing with his teacher. And the money was going to go to his school. And I said, well, you know, do you want to use your own money if you really want to go golfing with your teacher? And he did. And he donated like 160 bucks to a school. You know, and that's where it comes down to is that the people that are most joyful in their life, they're not the ones that have the most, they're the ones that give the most. And if you can learn that concept, like I said, you're just talking about like the status, like the jewelry and the clothes and stuff. And, and that's what's wrong. I mean, that's that's the issue with us. And it's like I said, it's a struggle and God understands it, but it's like we, we you know, there's 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 earthly status and godly substance. And stuff like with, with earthly status, like the, the new car, you say, Steve, I love that new car. I love the new car smell. But after a 
couple months of sitting in it, you know, the new car smell goes away and you're stuck with all those car payments. And, right. and then the house is never going to be big enough. And, and the clothes that are in style this season are going to be out of style next season. So we're always changed. You know, we're always chasing something that we can never catch. So we're just, you know, we go around in circles wondering why, oh my gosh, why can't I just keep up? Because status is always changing. But when we look at godly substance, you know, what type of person you are that you're loving, you're giving, you're caring, you're sharing. I mean, that stuff never goes out of style. And so, and then there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. We just have to understand that, hey, nice stuff is not what's going to keep us happy that, you know, to have a, a close relationship with, with, with our Lord is that that's what's really going to make us fulfilled. And that's, what's really going to give us a joyful life because that's, you know, a lot of us, we want to be happy and a happy that just deals with emotions from day to day, but being joyful, being just understanding that, Hey, I have a peace in my heart that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter that my, you know, my eternal salvation is what's going to really, you know, that's the most important thing. If you can get that stuff right, then the little, the, the little stuff, you know, that the day to day worldly stuff is not going to bother you as much. You know, in uh, savings and investments, your week four and your challenge, uh, what do you recommend people do to kind of get started if they're not savers, they're not investors and they're credit card debt type people? You know, like I said, at the end of the day, it's like if you have credit card debt, you know, and, and, and you don't have anything in savings, you have to kind of do both at the same time. Because that was my issue when I was in the military. Uh, you know, when I got out of the military and I was trying to get out of debt, you know, I was like trying to pay off all this credit card debt because the credit cards were charging me like 15 to 16 percent interest and the savings account didn't pay you anything. And what, what always happened was I, I would knock out debt, I would knock out debt and get it lower and lower. And then all of a sudden, you know, my transmission would go out or my refrigerator would go on the blink. And I'd always have to use my credit cards because I had nothing in savings. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense financially that, oh, I need to build my savings before I get out of debt. But you have to because you had those life happen events. And if you don't have anything in savings, you're always going to rely back on credit cards. But it always starts off small. You know, it's like it's kind of a joke. If I said, you know, how do you eat a baby elephant? You know, you eat it one bite at a time. Uh-huh. And that's the same uh-huh. thing with your savings goals is that, you know, you're not going to save you're not going to be a millionaire overnight, you know, but, but if you never start, if you never put anything away, I can guarantee you this, you're going to have nothing later on. So if you can say, Hey, Steve, you know, if I could sacrifice a little bit here or a little bit there, you know, you know, eight, if I could, you know, save $250 a month, which means that I got to quit wasting $8 and 33 cents a day. Well, $8 and 33 cents a day. If you, if you can quit wasting that at the end of the year, you could have $3,000 in savings, you know, it doesn't doesn't take a lot. I love that. All right, then week five in your six-week money challenge for your personal finances, Steve, you say estate planning documents and insurance. I have to say, I think a lot of people really kind of overlook insurance. I know we have to have health insurance, but they really kind of uh, skimp, you know, on life insurance. Ah, we're young, we're healthy, and not think about, you know, how you could leave your family if something happens to you and really in dire straits. And uh, insurance, I know, can be expensive, but... Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't understand the value of it. Yeah, like I said, when we talk about estate plan and life insurance, like your financial documents, I mean, many people they don't have wills or, or anything. And like, and if you have, let's say that you're married and you have kids. 
you know, if you don't have your estate plan documents or like a will saying, hey, this is where my kids go. I mean, basically you have the government or the state that's going to decide on your financial matters. And I just tell people that, hey, you know, I rather, you know, you might have, you know, all of us have that crazy uncle or aunt that, hey, you know, everybody kind of stays away from. It's like maybe you don't want your kids to go there. So but unless you have your fun, you know, your documents in order, you know, that could happen. But definitely with insurance, you know, that's one of those clutchy things. And, uh, you know, this is what I say about insurance. I, I ask people that if you had a choice. Would you, wouldn't you choose to be the person who could provide for others who can never pay you back? And, and that's what we're, what we're doing life insurance. It's not that we're saying that, gosh, I don't, I don't trust that God can't provide for my needs, but I just want to be able to, you know, God has given me a tool that I need to consider to, to, to provide for the people that I, that I, you know, leave, leave back. So it's, it looks, it's just, it's just being accountable and being a good steward. And at the end of the day, it's not a one size fits all. It's not like saying that everybody needs insurance or everybody needs this type of of insurance. Right. It's just something to consider that, hey, you know, we go through the, the this, you know, the, this six week challenge and one of the weeks is, hey, I need to, you know, I need to write down all of my assets. I need to write down all of my liabilities and I need to figure out, do I need insurance? If I not, if I don't need insurance and then and what type. So it kind of gives people just to get them to start thinking and, and doing, because like at the end of the day, if I just read, a, you know, if you read a book and someone says, well, you need to have this. Well, that's really a one size fits all answer. So my book is very tailored to the people that are actually reading it, because each of us have different circumstances and each of us have different needs. And this book likes is a lot different where you're actually figure it out for yourself by right. using it. Not cookie cutter. I love that. Six-week money challenge for your personal finances. Um, and uh, Steve Repack is the author. And uh, do you have a website you can send us to, Steve? Yeah, it's www.steverepack, and that's R-E-P-A-K.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, uh, Steve Repack Author, which is, you know, right now I'm actually doing a six-week daily devotional. It's a one-minute devotional that you, you, you know, basically I read a verse, uh, we talk about the verse, and we pray. So it's basically first thing in the morning, you can spend a minute with God to get your day start off right. And like I said, all of us have busy lives, and it's like we have all these resources. And I want to have something to go along like with the six-week money challenge because it, it's basically how do I get into good habits? Well, right. I, I do good things every day. And the more things that I do good, you know, then I start developing good habits. So like I said, I got this uh, six week daily devotional that everybody's been really, they really enjoy. And it's like cool getting feedback from people that are getting up early in the morning and, and watching my video saying, oh my gosh, you know, I was able to do this. And, you know, so that's pretty cool. Excellent. Well, thank you, Steve Repack. Appreciate your expertise. Angie, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you. Hey, it's Angie Austin. I'm here with my friend Francis Owens with ARC. And Francis, you and I have been friends a long time, and you and I both wanted to do something with our lives, with our careers that made a difference. I love ARC. I've gotten to know so many of the differently abled ambassadors yeah. through you. Yeah. And it's shopping with a purpose. So when we shop there, the money actually goes to help the disabled community locally, and you need donations. We need donations all the time, and we are very, very happy to come pick them up. You can easily call 303 Jane, which is 303-238-5263. We would love to come pick up anything. All of our sales go to help people with disabilities around the state. We raise funds for advocacy. Love it. And you can also, of course, drop things off, but they'll come and pick things up for free. And again, all the money stays locally to help the disabled community. And I love to shop there because I find great deals. You can find out more info as well at arcthrift.org. Thank you. Perfect. Yay. 
When going to a chiropractor, you may be thinking that they won't be able to help you for the long term. However, Dr. Joe Arve at Maximize Living will change your mind. The moment you meet him, you will find that he is your best friend. He treats you like you are part of his family, and he truly cares about you and your health. He is very knowledgeable about long-term health and wellness. Through the use of spinal correction, he helps you discover what it takes to be a healthier you and will help you feel better even after your first adjustment. He will also share with you the essentials to healthy living so you can take your health back. No matter what stage of life you're in, he will help you develop a plan to achieve the goals you set. Get ready to make a positive change in your life. Give him a call at 303-457-8080, 303-457-8080 or spinegeek.com. Maximized living, adjustments for life. Welcome back to the good news. Hey, would you like to live in a safe community? Hello, who wouldn't want to live in a safe community? We have details on groundbreaking projects that help law enforcement agencies better serve their communities. In a nutshell, better policing data makes cities safer, plain and simple. Uh, We have an expert to give us the details. Kevin Strom, he is the director of the Policing Research Program at RTI International. Hi, Kevin. Hi, how are you today? I am well. I love this topic. So what is the National Crime Statistics Exchange? Exchange, and how does that make us safer? So uh, NCSX, as it's commonly referred to, is really an iterative step to move 400 key agencies, including all the nation's largest departments, to what's known as incident-based reporting. So many agencies, over 7,000 already participate, but it's been slow going in getting the rest of the country to move to this system. So that's what we hope to accomplish through NCSX. All right. So in terms of helping law enforcement agencies, like where do you envision this? Where do you um, hope this goes as you know we, we progress forward in advance? Yes. Yeah, so this is a this is a a project that's led by the FBI and by the Bureau of Justice Statistics. And really what we hope is that this can achieve several things. Uh, one is improving just the level of the data quality, the level of information that's collected within and across the departments. Also, more standardized and more complete information in terms of detail of what's happening, not just for the most serious crimes, but also for a range of crimes. So ultimately, this information can be used to evaluate what works best, what types of policies are most effective, and, and ultimately also what what types of strategies maybe are ineffective and either need to be changed or um, done away with altogether. You know, a, a 911 call sometimes can involve a lot more than just a, one person asking for help. There might be things in the background or more information that you can get from it. So what is the value of, for instance, analyzing 911 calls more strategically? And, that, and that's a, a related effort we have to look at 911 calls. Calls, sometimes referred to as calls for service. Ah. Uh, so how that how that ties into the incident data is um, many jurisdictions have a large number of 911 calls, uh, and when police respond, in some instances, usually about in one in ten cases, give or take, um, they're going to the police will then prepare an incident-based report meaning that a crime incident has been determined to have happened. But the 911 calls are important in their own right because they help us understand uh, what all the community needs are. Some of these are crimes. Some of them, these are not crimes. These are you know, calls for services. But but in other cases, they can also understand is law enforcement responding to these community needs appropriately? Uh, are there things that can be done more efficiently? Uh, and ultimately also, can uh, is, does the department have the resources that needs to provide more proactive community-based policing? You know, I 
I love it that, you know, uh, through viral means so many good cop stories have gone viral. I do a lot of good news, obviously, on the good news. And one of my favorite stories recently was um, out of Ohio, um, a guy headed to Detroit because his sister had passed away. And just a, a little feel good. So the officer, there was a warrant out for the guy's arrest. And it was something that wasn't a big deal. And the officer actually then decided that since this guy no longer had a ride because his friend did get arrested, uh, he drove him 100 miles to his sister's funeral. And it's gone viral because the guy, um, the African-American man who did not like police, posted it for everyone because he cried because this this police officer also prayed for him. I know um, that there are a lot more good news stories like that about police departments and all the great work they do. And uh, I, I just love to take the opportunities to share those positive stories rather than the negative ones. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing. So what do you want people to uh, walk away from after they listen to our interview or walk away with, I should say? Well, one of the things is that there there are uh, there is a lot of information out there, uh, but it's important that we, we use it in a more responsible, more standardized mm-hmm. and a more effective way to understand not only what's going on, uh, in our communities, but what can be done about it. And I, th- I think uh, often uh, people need to understand and evaluate what's the information they're looking at it. Is it quality? Uh, is it being used in a, in a responsible way? And then make their own decisions. Because uh, I think in, in many cases, we're jumping too quickly to decisions uh, and to outcomes uh, without knowing the full story. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there 100%. Let's wait and really flesh things out, get all the information necessary before we jump to a conclusion. All right, where can we go to get more information? So um, more information on our projects here at RTI in the policing area can be found at rti.org. Also, for more information on the NCSA uh, move, including the overall uh, transition to NIBRS, can be found on the Bureau of Justice Statistics and FBI websites. And again, it's rti.org, and you'll find additional information there. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.